We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. For the Vandals of Idaho. I'm back, tribe from the North, Raven and Bull, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, joined as always by co-host Dallas Hammer, holding the down spell can. Dallas, how's it going? It's going good, but nobody wants to hear from me today. Correct. <laughs> as the other member of our crew... Holding it down in the background, our favorite loose cannon producer, Martin Heemstra from Moscow, one of our people from Moscow. Uh, Martin, how's it going? Doing good. It's almost time the students are almost leaving. It's getting quiet in Moscow, and I'm enjoying life in the slowing down Moscow. Did you did you just pronounce it as Moscow? Moscow. Okay, thank God. Okay, you know, we're going to just jump into the into Around the Bar brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. We The point of this episode, we've got a special guest, guys. Uh, offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for the University of Idaho, Luke Schleissner, uh, is joining us. Luke, first time on. How's it going? It's going great. Appreciate uh, the support and appreciate you guys having me on. And with that, we'll get started. We're going to – listeners, we're going to spend a lot of time going over – spring game, and maybe implications into the fall. But before we begin talking about Saturday's game, uh, Coach Schleissner, got a question for you. I want to see if you can give listeners just, just a little background. Your name was one of the first names we heard as being connected with Coach Jason Eck when he was candidate Jason Eck coming over to Idaho. You guys at South Dakota State, you guys were, of course, in the midst of a playoff run. Curious whether you'd be you'd be okay giving us a quick run through of what was the process of you going from South Dakota State to coming to University of Idaho? Yeah, well, you know, Jason and I are really close, and uh, you know, ha- have worked together the last six years at South Dakota State. So, um, you know, knew that he had some opportunities and some things going on, and it was it was always kind of interesting as a candidate because. He couldn't always say what exactly what was going on, but he would say, you know, hey, there's there may be an opportunity, and um, you know, if, if there's an opportunity, would you want to? Would you be interested? And would you be involved? And I said, well, you know, I I can't promise you, but uh, you know, love working with you, and uh, you know, we just have to see. There's there's a lot of logistics that go into that, so it was, uh, um, you know, so it, and then it's such a stressful time too because we're just getting ready for the national playoffs and you know, uh, week to week having these uh, big games and a lot of road games that we ended up playing this year. So uh, a lot of preparation, a lot of stress, and then, uh, you know, having the coaching carousel thing go on at the same time and a lot of things happening. So how, probably last background question before I throw it to Dallas to jump into to spring football. How, so how indirect did you guys have to be in for how long? That's, this is the first time I've ever heard that described that way because you're the first offensive coordinator to come over that I've ever talked to. How how long was that? And how much did you feel while going through that process like you were both in the dark but kind of clear about what was happening? Yeah, you know, it, it, it was a little bit crazy. And, um, 
you know, you hear about different opportunities and you even talk, sometimes I'd talk with my coworkers that weren't Jason and we'd wonder like, oh, will he have a shot at that or, or will this happen? And, and uh, you know, so there's a lot of what ifs going on at that time. And, um, you know, I actually interviewed for a head coaching job around that same time. So, um, you know, that, that, uh, that I didn't end up getting. So there's just, there's so many kind of balls in the air, uh, things happening. And, uh, you know, so it, it's kind of a crazy time. And like I said, the, the big thing is we're really trying to focus on, on what we needed to do to, to win a game and get back to that national championship. And, um, you know, and then even when Jason got the job, you know, then, you know, I kind of knew what was going to happen, but obviously I can't say anything to the players or even my own boss at the time, you know, really until after the game was played and, you know, after things kind of shook out. So um, definitely a crazy time, but uh, you know, it was good stress too. uh, You know, knowing that I had this great opportunity or I, you know, I could have stayed put and had a great situation. Well, coach slice, we're glad to have you here. Uh, So thank you for, for coming to Moscow. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Uh, I guess I'll just kind of jump right into it. How's your first couple months on the job been? What do you feel? Uh, how do you like Moscow so far? Uh, it's It's been great so far. It's been a lot of fun. And, you know, we, we feel the support when we're out in the communities. That's that's one thing that's fun. It's definitely, uh, you know, Moscow is definitely a, a, you know, vandal country. And, you know, feel it even throughout the state of Idaho, uh, you know, going down and playing our spring game in Boise uh, with the weather the way it was. I was like, nobody's going to be here. And uh, man, there I, I can't remember what the final number was. I think it was over 2,000 people for a you know uh, whatever it was, 50 degrees and raining and a uh, pretty miserable day for a spring game. But uh, so it was just great to see the support that we had, and uh, you know really enjoying the community here. And uh, you know it, it was kind of time for a change in my life. So uh, you know wanted to kind of do something different. I'd lived in the Midwest my whole life. My wife had lived in the Midwest pretty much her whole life besides uh, a year she spent down in Florida. Um, you know, so we just decided it was good timing. Our, you know, our son was a high school senior and is graduating here this May. So it was just everything kind of aligned perfectly. And, um, you know, was just excited for the opportunity and excited to keep working with Jason. Love it. Uh, we're going to jump right into football questions. Coach, what did you think you needed to see in the last, you know, you had 15 or so spring practices. What was the goal? What did you hope to see out of your guys to call the spring season a success? You know, first and foremost, you know, we talked about it before the spring game. We can't afford to have anybody hurt. Um, you know, so that was a, a big goal of the spring is just to stay healthy. Um, you know, I think that's that's one of the the challenges we have right now is just building our depth, building the roster. Uh, you know, there's a couple times it got kind of hairy there during spring ball. Uh, we had to have a non-padded practice and, you know, we, we got down to nine alignment at, at one point we had eight. Um, so, I mean, you're talking, you don't even, you know, even through the last whole half of spring ball, we didn't even have a full second string offensive line. Uh, you know, so I think our, our second to last scrimmage, um, you know, we went like 57 plays and Logan Harris took 57 reps. Um, you know, for an old lineman to have to do that and to not, you know, usually in a game you'd have breaks. Uh, we didn't have any breaks, you know, we went ones and then we went twos and he was out there. And then at some positions we had threes, so we'd go threes and he was still out there. So, um, you know, so that was a big part is making sure that we stay healthy and then just wanted to see the guys progress, uh, learn the offense, you know, uh, learn the concepts, um, you know, so I think, and then the other big part was just evaluating personnel. Um, you know, I started spring ball, I had seven quarterbacks in my room. 
Uh, and by the end, we had four. And I think when we took over, we had 21 wide receivers on the roster. Um, you know, we gave four or five of those guys to the defense and a couple of them found good homes like uh, uh, Mujib and, and, and uh, Kyron, you know, that I think can be contributors on defense. Um, but we just, some of that stuff, we just had to kind of roll the ball out and see what we had and be able to evaluate our personnel. Uh, this, uh, this is my last question before I kick it over to Brian. I have a bunch of follow-ups on that stuff, but I think most of our listeners, including Brian and I, weren't able to get out to the spring game. You know, it's a pretty hefty drive from Coeur d'Alene and, and Spokane to make it down to Boise. What did you see? Just as a, generally, how did the spring game go? What did you see from your side of the ball? What did you think of everything that happened just last weekend? Yeah, well, you know, we've, we've got some work to do, and, and we didn't execute the greatest on Saturday. Uh, you know, I think the challenge throughout the spring was, especially for the scrimmage situations, um, you know, offense, the, the defense has whatever, six, eight calls that they make the whole spring ball. And obviously they have to adjust to formations and personnel and all that. But, you know, offense, we've got a pretty thick playbook. Um, you know, I think once the guys understand the concepts, uh, it'll be a lot easier. But, um, you know, we it, when we didn't go live or, or even when we went live, but we had it scripted, the offense played pretty well. Um, but we could kind of coach our guys in between plays and, you know, tell them, Hey, you know, we had it, we had it scripted so we could say, Hey, you know, this next play, when you go in, you know, remember to do this. And then you get to the scrimmage situations and then obviously you can't do that. So, um, you know, so I think between that and a little bit of nerves, we just, we didn't execute the greatest on Saturday. Um, but you know, that'll come. And, and the other thing is we were going to play everybody and give everybody an opportunity to play. Uh, so that's the other challenge, uh, you know, offense, a lot of it is about rhythm as well. Uh, and when you're just rolling so many guys through and playing everybody, um, you know, it, it's hard to get in a rhythm when there's five running backs and, you know, you're splitting carries. It's hard when there's four quarterbacks and you're not getting a ton of reps. So, you know, some of that stuff I think we'll be better with as time goes on. And, you know, there's some pieces there. Uh, we, we just got to continue to improve and, um, you know, I think the good thing is I told the guys the whole time, you know, we get 15 practices in the spring. We'll have all summer to prepare and then we'll have 29 more practices before it's it's showtime. Um, you know, so do I wish we were a little farther along? Yes. Uh, but am I, you know, greatly concerned with it? No, because we have a lot of time and, um, you know, I feel like we just have to keep taking it day by day and getting better. So before we circle back to more offensive questions, the story from the people who, from listening to the broadcast, which I did, and from the people who saw the game and talked to us, they told us the story of the game, which you've already alluded to, was I, defensively, Idaho looked pretty good. You've also alluded to, hey, you know, hey, spring ball, we're rotating guys. It's not a normal game. <clears throat> Probably take some of this with a grain of salt. Defensively, what do you think fans should take away as maybe gener generalizable from what, from the performance on the defensive side of the ball last Saturday. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that stands out right now is, is they have really good depth in the defensive line. Um, you know, so that was really the, the difference maker Saturday as well as when, when, when our second string offensive line was against the second string defensive line, that, that was a bad matchup for us. Uh, but they had some guys in, uh, you know, Devontae Keys and Kamari Bailey or two defensive ends that were running with the twos that I think could be ones a lot of places. Um, and then we have to, we have to get better with our twos. So that was a big, uh, a big mismatch uh, for the offense. You know, it, we were in, uh, 
uh, two minute offense. And I even called the max protection slide pro play action with like 20 seconds left in the half. But we called drop back passes the first two downs and we got sacked immediately. So it was like, I got to try and do something to help our O line and, and give us a little bit of relief. But, you know, that's, that's the big thing I would say is that, you know, um, you know, coach Orich has those guys flying around and, and I think we have some pretty good uh, depth up on the O line. So that, or excuse me, on the defensive line, we have some good depth. So that, that should help with being able to rotate guys. Um, you know, Leo Tamba was a guy that was really hard for us to block all spring as well. Um, you know, so I think there's some guys over there on the defensive side that, that can have some uh, have a really big impact in the fall. So I want to ask about the secondary as well. Uh, last season, Idaho finished last in Big Sky in pass defense. This is, of course, a new season with a new coaching staff. Based off what you've seen in practice and what fans saw from the spring, how, how's the progression of the secondary going? Yeah, I, I think they're playing well. You know, Marcus Harris and uh, Jeremiah Salam were, were solid at corner. And then, um, you know, between uh, uh, McCormick and uh, Matthias, uh, I, can't, I don't know, butcher the last name, but, you know, our, our transfer from New Mexico that came in and, and solidified the other safety spot. So I think they're solid in the back end. And then I think, uh, you know, Coach Orich with his scheme, um, you know, it's definitely a little bit bend, don't break. Uh, you know, they'll let you throw some hitches and rally to the ball and that type of thing. Um, you know, so having gone against Coach Orich when he was at South Dakota, I know, you know, kind of his defensive philosophy. And I also know that's what Coach Eck wanted too is, you know, don't give up the big play and make the other team earn it. And, you know, I think even in, uh, you know, even when we scored against him on Saturday, it was like an 11 play drive, you know, so they're, they're pretty good at, at not allowing the big play. And, uh, making you continue to execute. Coach, I, I think we probably kind of know the answer to this, but uh, I want to hear it from your mouth rather than the things Brian and I say, because, again, nobody wants to listen to us. People are here to listen to you. What position groups would you say are the most ready for fall and which groups are going to need a little bit more extra work? Um, you know, I think our running back position, just because of the depth and experience there, you know, I, I feel really good about those guys. You know, uh, Roshan's a leader. Um, you know, Eli has has some big playability. And then, um, you know, Nick Romano and Andre Carter give us a lot of depth. And even Trent Elstead ran the ball really well on uh, on Saturday. And, and he performed well in one of the other scrimmages, too. So I think uh, running back, uh, you know, we got a lot of depth, a lot of experience. Um, you know, to me, obviously my position group, quarterback, there's just not a lot of playing experience. Um, you know, talking about pretty much all, you know, freshman type guys in the room. Um, and then, and then I think it slowed us down a little bit at the start of spring, having seven guys in the room, um, you know, obviously for the last half of spring ball, when we got down to four guys, then that allowed a lot more reps, um, which is just, we're going to need a lot of that to be ready to play in the fall. And then, um, you know, I think tight end is another group where we're kind of, you know, sorting through, um, and, and, you know, obviously Connor Whitney missed the majority of the spring with a thumb injury, uh, you know, came back and played a little bit in the spring game. But you know, I think he missed eight or nine practices. So with him out, um, you know, we had a lot of guys that were kind of getting their first uh, action in the spring as well. So, um, you know, that's another position group that just it's going to take a little bit of time and a little bit of sorting out to figure out, um, 
you know, what the guy's skill sets are and uh, what's going to be the best for us. And, and that's something that we'll do a lot in a game week, you know, especially, uh, you know, the quarterback and the offensive line, you, you, you know, you, you, you shape it to what you can do best, but the other position groups, um, you know, we can really personnel some things, you know, that we did not do this spring um, to put our guys in the best position, you know, with, um, you know, what kind of blocks you're asking them to make, what kind of runs you're asking them to make. You know, we, did, we didn't go through all that of the spring of, okay, this is our short yardage back. This is our, you know, third down back. This is that, you know, we, we wanted all the guys to be exposed to all of the offense. So, you know, those are things where I think we can, can be a lot better as well. You mentioned earlier that uh, you, you know, a lot of guys in the receiver move r- receiver room got moved to the defense. Uh, another receiver, Alex Moore, got moved to tight end. Didn't see a whole lot of play with the previous staff, and then seemed to have a great spring. What kind of goes into to determining what position you guys you want a, a player to play for you rather than what he played under the previous regime? And uh, let's speaking of another guy, Zach Borish is a longtime favorite of Tubbs at the club. Now he's listed as a slash, and you're putting him all over the field. What kind of goes into the thought process of moving guys to different positions and trying to to find a better way to play them? Yeah, you know, I, I it, it, it's really hard to know. And we just knew when we took over and we saw Alex Moore and we saw him in the weight room, we're like, man, that he's got a big frame. He's a big kid. And we didn't have enough tight ends and we had too many wide receivers. We're like, well, maybe he can move. And he was like ninth string at receiver. So it was like, well... If you want to get on the field and get on the field faster, you could move to tight end. And I mean, shoot, I, I can sit here and pretend to be a genius now and say I knew that he was going to be great, but we had no idea. We we're like, you know, he's a big kid. Let's see how it works. And um, he's he's going to be a difference maker. I mean, he's we've had some great great tight ends at South Dakota State, and they're a vital part of our offense. And I think um, you know Alex isn't a complete player yet, but man, he's he's dynamic in the passing game and a big target. Um, you know, I can see him catching a lot of balls for us in the fall. Um, you know, I think our first three scrimmages, he had four touchdowns in the first three scrimmages. So, um, and then Saturday he was coming off a little bit of a hit pointer, so we didn't play him as much, but he still had, you know, a couple big explosive plays. So, um, you know, so we were, we were fortunate in that, but we thought he had the type of frame and, you know, he bought in as well. Cause I think when we moved him, he was like 212 pounds and now he's 227. Um, you know, so we're thinking he can get up to that, you know, 235, 240 range by fall camp and, um, you know, just continue to develop as a blocker um, while maintaining his, uh, you know, speed and strength. And, and he can be a real difference maker at that position. Um, and then Zach Borish, you know, I, I started out, I wanted to give him a fair shake at quarterback. Um, you know, talking to Zach when I took over, you know, he'd been like moved around so much and, and, and not done too much that he, that he kind of didn't have a home. Um, you know, so initially I wanted to give Zach some stability playing him at quarterback. Um, and obviously I'd seen the film of, you know, he's dynamic with the ball in his hands. Um, you know, and then they really hadn't let him throw. So we didn't, we didn't know. And then, uh, we let him throw a lot early in spring ball. And, uh, you know, I think Zach will admit to you too, that that didn't go that well. You know, he just, he just hadn't done it, hadn't done it in a long time. And, and the development is behind and the reads and things like that. So, um, you know, that kind of led to us shifting him to wide receiver, um, you know, just trying to give a little bit more stability to him. And then we know we can move him around, you know, we can use him for some wildcat things. We can use him different ways. Um, but just trying to, you know, see what we had and, and see what the best fit would be. 
I have one last question for you, and then I'll kick it back over to Brian. Obviously, Alex Moore, you'd consider a surprise this spring. Uh, even you said it. You'd, you'd look like a genius, but you didn't know he was going to explode like that. Are there any other surprises that you'd like to, to shout out? Guys that did a uh, maybe not a better job than you expected, but guys that were a pleasant surprise. Uh, you know, I think two that jump out right away, you know, Giovanni McCoy, um, you know, kind of started at the, you know, I don't even know what he was the first day, fourth or fifth string, something like that. Like he was, he was down, uh, down the depth chart. You know, he was kind of in my doghouse from, you know, when we took over, he had some academic things from first semester that he hadn't taken care of business. So, um, he was kind of in my doghouse a little bit at the start of spring ball. And I really wasn't sure, you know, how he was going to do. And, um, you know, he, he's a gamer and, and, uh, you know, he, he really came on as the spring progressed. Um, you know, unfortunately with the fans, he probably played about the worst he's played in the spring game. Um, but he, he really progressed and he, and even in the spring game, he had some struggles, but he still led us on three scoring drives. So, uh, of the seven possessions he was in. So, you know, he, he still did some good things and, um, you know, anticipates throws well and, uh, just kind of has a knack. Um, and then the other guy I would say is, uh, you know, uh, JJ, you know, Jermaine Jackson, uh, JJ was a guy coming off of, uh, you know, and we had had an ACL, I believe in the spring season and, uh, you know, kind of didn't exactly know, you know, what, what we had when we got here. Um, and then obviously he's not a very big guy. So just seeing him, I wasn't too sure about this five, six receiver that we had. Uh, but he plays big, you know, he, he's really physical blocking. And that's something that we're going to ask those guys to do and challenge them to do, you know, so he, he plays big blocking. And then, you know, with his speed and jumping ability, he, he has a big catch radius, you know, so even though he's a small guy, um, you know, you can kind of put it in the vicinity. And like I said, between his speed and his leaping ability, um, he can go get it. So, um, you know, and he had a little bit of hamstring issue uh, through spring ball. So we missed some time too, but when he was out there, uh, he was dynamic, and I think he can be a, a big-time playmaker for us. So Coach Eck was quoted in the Idaho Press as saying, Giovanni McCoy is probably a tad ahead of C.J. Jordan in the quarterback room. How would you assess spring ball for both uh, McCoy and Jordan? Because, I mean, just in terms of reacting to what Coach Eck said, a tad ahead means not that much, but clearly ahead. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, that's an accurate statement. And, you know, I, I conveyed that when I met with the kids and talked to them and, um, you know, we're, we're going to continue to have competition throughout fall camp, you know, so I, I told those guys, they know that too, that, you know, this, this thing has a long ways uh, to go in the quarterback competition. Um, you know, CJ is capable of big things, but he just has to be more consistent, you know, so he, he'd have some great plays, then he'd have some really bad plays. And, you know, at the quarterback spot, you just, you really have to avoid those, you know, the, the big sacks, the turnovers, that type of thing. Um, you know, so really stressing with him of just don't press, you know, let the game come to you. Don't always look for the big play. Um, you know, cause just in the scrimmage situations, he took, he took too many sacks and uh, you know, th those things are going to be uh, tough on an offense. It makes it hard as a play caller when it's second and 20. Uh, but, you know, he has some big time ability and, and there's the ability there. It's just, you know, learning the nuance of the position and, and what we're looking for. Um, and like I said, I think the biggest thing is just letting the game come to him um, where that was probably Giovanni's biggest strength. You know, Giovanni, you know, not, not quite as, you know, not as big or fast as strong as CJ, uh, but Giovanni did a nice job of letting the game come to him, you know, taking what was there, 
uh, and getting rid of the football in a timely fashion. Um, you know, so he, he was really impressive that way of just throwing on time and anticipating windows and, uh, you know, throwing guys open. Um, you know, so he, he really took big strides. So at this point, what is your what is your offense looking for out of the quarterback position? As in, like, are you looking for a more traditional drop back passer? You're going to have guys take more direct snaps that, or more out of shotgun. Of course, if people weren't in Boise, they of course saw very little because we couldn't. Mm -hmm. So, from this far away, what are you guys looking for out of quarterback? Yeah, you know. Um... We, we want a guy that can distribute the ball and get it to our playmakers. And then, um, you know, we're always going to adjust a little bit with how much we run the quarterback. You know, when we were at South Dakota State in the spring season, we had a running quarterback that I think he had six, 700 yards in 10 games. And then this, this fall, our guy had like 200 yards rushing in 15 games. Um, so we have to see a little bit with who the guy is going to be and then obviously shape the offense around them. And I kind of went back to what I talked about earlier, even of just all the positions, you know, we were kind of exposing him to the whole offense. Um, you know, so once we find out who the guy is, then we'll shape it around them even more, you know, so like, like CJ would probably run the ball a little bit more with the quarterback. If he's the guy, you know, if Giovanni's the guy, we'll probably have more quick passes where he can get the ball out of his hands quickly. Um, you know, so I think that's one thing that, that we have to do, um, you know, and we talk about we don't need a runner at quarterback, but we want a good athlete at quarterback um, just to have some of that escapability. Um, and like I said, I think we have some pretty good skill guys. Uh, you know, I, I haven't gotten to see Hatton yet, but everybody raves about him uh, and his ability. So I think with Hatton and Therese, and then when I talked about JJ really stepping up, uh, and then Alex Moore, um, you know, Connor Whitney, you're, you're going to have some weapons for the quarterback to – um, you know, make sure that we have somebody that can get the ball in those guys' hands. So, so before I throw it to Dallas uh, for maybe a subject change, you just alluded to the answer probably varying a little bit, but how do you expect to balance the game plan between just between between passing and rushing? X talked a lot in interviews about wanting to establish, wanting to build a team through the line, and establishing the run as a way to open up the offense. But what, what does that mean for us in terms of the actual balance of rush, running the passing? Yeah, you know, I, I think we, we strive to be balanced. And then the big thing with this, with getting the run game going or having the threat of a run game, um, you know, we like to play action pass and also do some naked bootlegs and get the quarterbacks out on the edge. Um, and I think it does two things. One, it just takes pressure off the quarterback when you can break the pocket. Um, you know, because then instead of having to go through the progression and, you know, seeing leverage and safeties and all that other stuff, like when you roll out, it just kind of becomes backyard football of, is this guy open? If he's open, throw him the ball, you know, so that takes some pressure off the quarterback. And then it also takes pressure off the O-line and pass protection. So, um, and then, you know, we want to keep the defense on their toes with, um, you know, we want to be able to throw the ball when it's a, a, a run situation and pass the and uh, or excuse me, pass the ball when it's a, a run type situation and then uh, run the ball when it's maybe third and 10 and we can surprise the defense and get a first down again, kind of taking that pressure off the, the O line of having to pick up all these crazy blitzes and things like that. So, um, you know, we, we want to make the defense defend everything. 
and um, and then the bottom line is we got to be able to shape it around you know who our best players are. Um, you know when we were at, at South Dakota State and we had uh, you know Dallas Goddard who went on to be a second round pick and uh, you know we had Jake Wenicky who was a really good receiver that ended up is up in Canada now and Taryn Christian a really good quarterback who's up in Canada. You know 2016 2017 we we threw the ball around a lot. Um, and then you get like to this last year, we, we had a really good quarterback that got picked in the seventh round. Well, we had a running back that led the nation in rushing. So, um, you know, we, we took a little bit, we probably didn't throw as much as you'd think you would when you, when you have an NFL draft pick quarterback, but it's always, you know, fitting things around, around your personnel. Love hearing that. Uh, I think there's a, a generation of Vandal fans that are terrified of coaches forcing players to the system rather than adapting the system to the players. So, uh, our excitement is at an all-time high right now. Uh, but I do have a couple more questions about the quarterback. I know we've talked quarterbacks, and we keep getting them from our Patreons. Again, uh, if anybody's listening and wants to ask questions, patreon.com backslash tubs at the club, hashtag only tubs. Coach, the elephant in the room from our listeners, are you guys going to explore the transfer market for a quarterback? Right now the room is is obviously skewed pretty young. Uh, not a whole lot of experience there. What's the What's the game plan over the summer as you move towards the fall? Yeah, you know, I, I think it would be ideal if we can find somebody with a little bit more experience. And, you know, we, we've talked to the players about that too, that, you know, that we may bring somebody in and, um, you know, that if we do nothing's set in stone, they still get, you know, whoever whoever we bring in is going to have to come in and compete and earn the job. But um, like you said, just when, when you look at the depth chart and see that you have freshmen written next to everybody's name, uh, obviously you'd love to, you know, bring a little bit more experience to the room. So that's definitely something, uh, you know, that we're exploring and, and the transfer portal has made it a little bit crazy. There's a lot of names to explore, um, you know, so trying to, to weigh through that and, you know, make sure that it's a fit, um, you know, so we're not just rushing to bring anybody in here. We want to make sure it's a great fit and, um, you know, that it's someone that we feel confident about. The the situation will obviously change here depending on quarterbacks that come in or don't come in or or how the guys play. But are we going to see a quarterback announced before the first game, or is everybody going to have to wait for that first snap to find out who's going to be the guy this year? Well, uh, that, that's probably going to be the uh, the guy the, the the big cheese coach act. That's going to be his uh, decision. What type of gamesmanship uh, that he wants to do with that? So, I mean, I'll certainly. Uh, the players will know, you know, the, the week going into the game, Who you know, I think by when we break fall camp, you know, the players will know who the starter is. And then, like I said, I get, that's that's a little bit more up to Coach Eck than me of uh, how much of that uh, head coach gamesmanship that, that he wants to have on display. How many scholarships does Idaho have uh, to, to, to play with moving into fall camp? Uh, maybe not in a specific number, but ballpark, what are you guys looking to, to grab and, and how many guys are you looking to add? Yeah, I think, you know, we touched on it earlier, but just our, our offensive line depth, um, you know, we, we just don't have a lot of it in that room either. So that's a position, again, if, you know, if, if we can find the right uh, the right person in the transfer portal, um, you know, definitely looking to add some offensive line depth. And, um, you know, so those are kind of the biggest ones on offense. And I know defense is looking to potentially add a couple guys as well. So, um you know, it, it's a balance. And I think, you know, Kochek wants to build this through high school guys. And, 
that's something that now that I'm out here and see the talent that there is in Idaho and Washington and Oregon, like I think we can get a, a, a good base of our team from those three states and then get into California a little bit and be uh, in great shape. But, um, you know, in the short term, it's, it's definitely we have to explore some transfers. And, you know, we had a couple come in at the semester, you know, Jason Hullback. I'm really happy that we got him. Uh, to come in because he's solidified things over at the right tackle spot for us. So, um, you know, we just always have to evaluate it and see what's best for the team. And and that's the bottom line is uh, can we improve our team? And um, we're going to do what we have to do to, you know, make sure that we're putting a competitive team out there. So I have a broader question. We've we've talked about position groups and progressions we might want to see. But my understanding too is one of the big th- one of the big responsibilities you guys had first you know your first set of spring ball practices is establishing the type of culture that you're hoping the program embodies. Could you give listeners a description of in your mind what type of culture are is are you Coach Jack and all all the other coaches trying to establish for University of Idaho football? Yeah, now you're now you're putting me on the spot to remember Coach X's uh, pillars here. But you know he's talked to the guys about you know accountability, uh, you know doing the little things and doing them right. Um, you know urgency uh, of just that urgency to get better every day. Uh, you know, and another big one that he's talked to the guys about is grit. You know, of just when things are tough, how are you going to respond? Um, you know, so those are, are things that we're trying to. Uh, you know, instill with the guys right now. And then then the last one is toughness. Uh, So those are the four things that he's kind of talked to the guys throughout spring ball about, Um, you know, because we know, you know, we may not be the the most talented team in the big sky next year, but, you know, we're not going to back down. We're going to go out and compete, um, you know, and we're going to battle. And that's the the type of thing that we want to have, you know, in our guys, because, you know, I think we all, you know, just scoreboard watching from last year and and not being here, you know, they played a couple of really good teams tough, and then they played a couple of really good teams and, and got destroyed. Um, you know, we're obviously, you know, just watching those games on film, there's a lot of just self-inflicted wounds. So, you know, Coach Heck talks about that too of, you know, the Vandals can't beat the Vandals. You know, if the other team is better than us and, and executes, you know, better and uh, plays better, then we got to tip our cap to them. But, you know, we don't want to give away games. So uh, the Vandals can't beat the Vandals. Um, and then I think the big thing is we want these guys to, you know, enjoy the process and have fun with it. Um, you know, again, they're kind of walking around on eggshells when we took over and, um, you know, we, we want them to be able to come by the office, you know, enjoy their time in the football building and, uh, you know, work hard and, and lay it all on the line. We've talked a lot of football. We've got a few more minutes with you on. Coach Sleisner, we have to transition to a segment made famous on accident the first time we had Coach Jason Neck on. Dumb questions. So, first dumb question I have for you, because our show is named after the Corner Club. If you walk into the Corner Club after a win, what's your what's your go-to order? Uh, you know, I'm really not a I'm not a big drinker. Um, but you know, if I am celebrating, then I got to have a margarita, you know, a little bit of tequila. So I don't don't know if, I don't know if that's exactly a corner club special, the uh, margarita, but you know, we'll, we'll see what they can do. 
is the order the same after a loss? Uh, I guess I'm not a big drinker. So probably if we lose, I, I usually don't even have a drink. <laughs> I'm just ready to get back to work and, uh, you know, get going the next day. So we're not asking for your street address, but we have asked both Jason Eck and Rob Orich. You live in Moscow or Pullman? Moscow. Dallas, I'm going to let you go the, take it the next direction. That is, uh, first off, our, our listeners love to hear that. Uh, previous coaches have chosen to live in Pullman and they get booed for those things. So you're already off on a great start. Uh, I, I'm assuming the answer is probably the tequila, but say Idaho wins the little Brownstein, beats Montana for the first time in decades. What do you do with it? Are you are you drinking tequila out of it? Are you just holding it in the air? What's the plan if you get the little Brownstein? Uh, you know, we I've played for a bunch of traveling trophies over the years, and I'll say as a coach, I've never held on to one. Uh, you know, a, after the big win, I mean, that's the players' deal, and uh, you know, they're they're pouring their heart and soul on it, putting their bodies on the line. Um, you know, and then probably as a coach, I'm always kind of on to the next one too. So. I know a couple of our coaches, a couple of years ago, we beat NDSU for the nickel trophy and, and it clinched the conference title. And a lot of people were taking pictures and all that stuff after the game. But I was just like, man, we got, we got the playoffs next week. Like, uh, you know, great that we beat NDSU, but on to bigger things. And, mm -hmm. you know, hopefully that's, I mean, we got to beat Montana first, but, you know, ultimately the goal is, uh, the goal isn't to beat Montana. The goal is to, you know, compete for national championships. So, um, but, you know, I'll, I'll let the players enjoy that and, and go from there. So love it. How does the obviously you haven't played a game yet in the Kibbe Dome, uh, probably haven't really coached in it either because you, I'm assuming, spent the entire spring outside. That's what the pictures seem to indicate. But how does the Kibbe Dome rank among all the other dome stadiums you may have played in or coached in? Well, I actually uh, I did coach in a game here one time. Um, I was at the University of North Dakota and we came out here, I believe it was like week one in like 2011 or so, uh, somewhere in there. I'm trying to remember the year I'm getting old 2011 or 2012 and, and Idaho put it to us pretty good. Uh, and it was a great crowd. I believe it was the home opener. Um, you know, so just seeing that game and being in that environment, I, you know, I didn't remember a lot about our trip out here. Uh, but I knew that it was a tough place to play and I knew, uh, you know, at, at that time they were just coming off a great season. And, uh, you know, I think it was, I'm trying to think, I think it was 2011 is when we played, but, but they were, you know, the Kibbe dome was rocking and, and just seeing that and having played in a bunch of domes, uh, from the Fargo dome to the uni dome of, you know, just how big of an advantage that those can be. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a big video game guy, but my son who is, was telling me the, the cult status of the Kibbe dome on the, whatever the NCAA football game. So, uh, you know, so I know it's a unique venue and, um, you know, it does have that wow factor when you, when you walk into it and I haven't got to see it with the turf down yet, but I'm, I'm excited to see that. This might be the dumbest question I have for you, but coach Eck told us all about the, your trek to your, your, your first stop in Moscow, just after you guys were hired, it was a little interesting and you had some travel difficulties. Do you want to give us any more detail about how much fun you had? trying to get to Moscow your very first time? Yeah, that, that was, that was a crazy experience. So, um, you know, my, my wife and I decided that she, she was going to get a new car. So found a car out in the Seattle area and just not being from here and not understanding it, that it was in Bremerton. 
which I guess is like you land in the airport and you're on the wrong side of the water. Um, so already it was adding a bunch of time to my day because I didn't realize it's going to have to like go up and around. And then, um, you know, I started to hear reports about the mountain pass and how it was going to be. And, you know, talking to the people at the dealership, uh, I'll say that most people in Seattle don't even know where Idaho is. So they were pretty, uh, pretty crazy to think for them that anybody would go on the east side of the mountains. Uh, so I didn't get a lot of help. And finally, I talked to one guy that was like, oh, well, yeah, you're not going to be able to pass. But you go down to Portland and, and then you can shoot over. And then, you know, so I drove all the way down to Portland and then uh, there was about two inches of snow on the road and they closed all the roads. So um, being from the Midwest and having driven through many, many a blizzard, um, you know, I was quite shocked, but, I, you know, I did, I did what I had to do and uh, got the hotel for the night and got up and went in the morning. But um, yeah, it was definitely a, an interesting experience. And like I said, the people in Seattle, I think a lot of them don't, don't even know where Idaho is on a map. So. Can you tell us the make and model of the car that you went to all this trouble to get? So it was a, it was a Honda Accord. And it was like a, a two-door V6. So my wife, you know, need, needed the V6 engine. She needed the two-door and she needed, it's like a sports coupe. So she liked the color. This, it, it checked all the boxes. So um, definitely, uh, you know, ha had to do that for her, uh, moving her across the country. We have one last question for you. It's, we call it the reversal where you can ask us any question you want, any topic, sports related, not sports related, whatever. But I have to filibuster you. We have to get our ad read in while we have a high count of live listeners. So while we're going through the ad read, feel free to take a second to come up with your question. As always, Around the Bar brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. If you are looking for a great, all-inclusive, week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental U.S. located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway, and you can even check out special trips like the one to see the Persed Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. And with that, we're going to turn the floor over to Coach Sleisner. I, I will say I'm, I'm learning a lot about Idaho in the last week. I just, uh, I had never driven down to Boise. I, had, I mean, I had just got here and like I said, lived in the Midwest my whole life. I'd, I'd, you know, so just seeing Riggins and, and driving through that area, you know, like Riggins and McCall on the way back from Boise, this is unbelievable how, uh, how beautiful it is out here and excited to tell my wife about it. So that, that little ad plug you just did, you, you may have got yourself a customer now because I was already telling my wife that we had to, we had to go to Riggins, you know, especially when we fly our son out this summer is that we got to go do something out there. So, um, you know, and, and then I like the beginning of the show too, cause I have not got to see much coach Linehan film. Uh, so I was, uh, excited to see that, to, to see coach Linehan out there high stepping. So, um, you know, haven't, haven't pulled up any of his film yet. So, but, but the legend that is coach Linehan. So, 
Um, yeah. So a question for you guys, I guess I would just say, how, you know, how, how did this get started? How did, how did the tubs at the club, how did, how did this start out and, and, and how long has this been going for? There are a few answers depending on what we're talking about. I'm going to talk about the podcast because I can't talk about the website very well. They were started separately. Uh, website was started by Sean Kramer. He's University of Idaho alum, uh, journalist, worked for the Smokes and Review. And he one day decided that there was not enough Idaho coverage. So he went to the corner club and wrote up the code for the website and wrote some, art, wrote some articles. And that was how the website started. The podcast was started by neither me nor nor Dallas uh, former former host the guy who found the podcast Chris Hammond he started the podcast with some friends in 2018 which was the first year Idaho played in the Big Sky Conference after moving down and my route to getting onto the podcast was I would send 7,000 direct messages to the tubs at the club Twitter account. And eventually Chris just said, Hey, uh, you want to do basketball for us? And I said, yes, which of course was the start of Idaho's awful drought. We have barely covered uh, 10 conference wins since starting the show in basketball. However, fingers crossed that changes immediately in football. And eventually, I just became a co-host of the main show. That was my route on, but Chris was the guy who started. Dallas, I'm going to let you explain your route on, too. Basically the same thing. Uh, I was a journalist here. I uh, graduated from the School of Broadcasting in Idaho. Uh, did some TV stuff here in Spokane. And then uh, left that. Started following this podcast since about day one. I did the same thing Brian did. Just sent a million million questions in all the time and to the point that they just couldn't get rid of me. And here we are. I do want to call out uh, Coach Slice. I don't know if you can see the screen. Uh, Colin Hughes commenting, would love to have you, Coach Slice. That is the famous Colin Hughes of Hughes River Expedition, uh, graciously inviting you to come down and, and enjoy one of those trips along the pristine beaches. Well, that's awesome. I may have to take him up on it because, like I said, we were, you know, I, I told my wife driving through there that we got to go down there this summer. In the Midwest, you know, the, you don't, you don't, uh, Moscow Mountain is like unbelievable looking out my window every day from the Midwest, you know, so, uh, you know, driving through Riggins and McCall and that whole area down to Boise was, uh, I, I was definitely uh, staring out the window a lot. So. Well, fantastic. Coach, great to have you on. Dallas and I are doing the exact same thing. Great to have you on. Uh, good luck in the upcoming season. And until next time, go Vandals. Go Vandals. Thank you, coach. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. All right, guys, that has been Coach Luke Schleissner, who is now now out. So, uh, yeah, dude, it was great to have Coach Luke Schleissner on. Obviously, a long day. Uh, and we had to reschedule the timing because he was still working at the initial time of 6.45 p.m. So we pushed back when he could. Uh, great to have him on for that 45 minutes in change. Uh, talk spring football and Dallas. I mean, I'm going to throw it to you, take whatever direction, uh, react to the interview, talk about spring football. or How about this? Talk about both. What stuck out to you that uh, we were able to go over relating to spring football? Man, I just love hearing the same thing from, from Coach Slice that we heard from Coach Eck, that 
they are looking to adapt their system to the players and they're not going to try to pigeonhole guys into roles that maybe they aren't perfect for them. I love hearing that. I thought that was a complaint we saw a lot in the previous era of Vandal football. And it's, it's so frustrating to me when you see a guy is good at something, you try to make him do something he's not particularly good at. That does not seem to be the case with this team. I love the direction. I love the the positivity. I just, man, I couldn't be more excited about this. I, even uh, Coach Lice admitting that, you know, yeah, the, the offense did not quite click as well as he wanted, and there's some depth issues, obviously, and it just wasn't quite what was hoped for, but it, it certainly sounds like the right guys are in charge to get things get things fixed, get everything rolling the way it should be, and and I, I just, I don't know. Every time we do one of these interviews, all I can think about is how excited I am for this fall to, to hurry up and get here. I, I've never wanted a summer to end quicker than this one. My like my first takeaway was how many of our listeners were triggered with Vandal PTSD when he when uh Luke talked about Vandals beating the Vandals. I know like I almost brought it up as a separate question because my first thought immediately was, oh my god, he knows. He knows. And like you said, man, th- that is at this point, that's not really a concern that I have. Am I, do I think there's reason to be a little concerned about the offensive line? Yeah. Now, of course, he said there were injuries, so they probably looked worse than they actually are in spring game based off injuries. Uh, do I think there's reason to be concerned about quarterback? Yeah, we'll get into that. And listeners, that's part of why we asked a few, a handful of quarterback questions. We've tried to not be football morons who only talk about quarterback and nothing else. But look, we, we can jump in now to the spring game itself. That was, look, the story was the defense. And for people who did not get to watch the game in person or listen to the broadcast, yeah, there was a weird scoring system. I don't really care about the weird scoring system. Here's the gist of it. Idaho's offense had the ball the entire game and scored one field goal and one touchdown. So different from a typical game where your offense only has the ball, you know, half-ish time. Idaho had possession of the ball the whole time because it was always Idaho's offense, and that turned into two scores. But the story that is the reason to be excited about part of that is defensively, we look legitimately good from what we've been told Dallas. Absolutely. And I I think uh, the things we'd heard were that the the defensive line, the front seven were extremely strong. And of course, the first things we hear from Coach Slice is that the defensive line looked great and Leo Tombo was unblockable, which is incredible for the guy coming off of an injury where he missed essentially all of last season. Could not be more more excited to see what Rob Orge's dogs are going to do. Our comment thread uh, went a little bit nuts because I think people love uh, Coach Orge, the energy he brings. I think our defense is primed for a massive turnaround. Uh, realistically, mostly just because of the change in coaching. But th- it sounds like the defense is going to be the, what is going to carry this team moving forward. Uh, hopefully the offense will click a little bit more. Uh, like Coach Slice said, 15 practices in the spring, 29 in the fall. So more almost double the time to try to make some of that stuff gel. Hopefully guys are going to get a little bit healthier. You know, we're, we'll see what happens. Uh, I just, man, I... Guys, we're we're months away from from Vandal football again, and that that is so exciting to me. Exciting to me. Damn it, I missed it. We'll shoot back everyone. to the spring game again, but I I can't believe I didn't bring this up. This is the second coach who I know they're not trying to, but the indirect shade to the previous coaching staff. 
makes me feel so goddamn happy. Oh, like, you know, when yep. made reference to like, yeah, I had some games where we we're real competitive. And then, yeah, then there were other games mm-hmm. or, you know, referencing, hey, Idaho can't, <clears throat> can't beat Idaho because that's what they identified as happening in some of the losses. Having someone else say that now they say it in the, the positive way. Like it is clearly like the point of them talking is not, he's talking about what he wants to be different. He, the point of that is not to talk about previous coaching staff, but you know, maybe we throw Martin in here for a second. Martin, you noticed that correct. Second straight, second time we've had someone indirectly uh, describe what they want Idaho football to become. And it's in terms of it's because Idaho football is in this. What was your, how was your reaction to hearing that? It was, it reminded me of the uh, coach Ulrich, Ulrich comment earlier. I was like, wait a second. I've heard that before. Did this one hurt as bad, Martin, as, as the number one nope, Brefty fan in the world? It, it, uh, it was more smooth. You heard it from Martin. It was smooth. And it was. And the point, of course, again, I'm going to overexplain this because I just don't want to sound like putting words in their mouth because we're not. The point of his comment was to describe what Idaho football needs to become. It's just us who've been here for the whole ride. Well, we understand if that's what it's becoming, we know what it was. And hearing someone else say it feels so goddamn good. Back to the spring game, Dallas. We we know grain of salt, offensive line is injured. We know grain of salt, offense, as Coach Schleisner referenced, offense has more they have to pick up that they had to learn in the spring than the defense in terms of like number of sets, number of plays. So different learning curve on the offensive side. So we know all that, but look, we got to talk about what didn't happen as well. Uh, quarterback situation looked rough. Noted, ac- new uh, Tubbs correspondent, whether he knows it or not, and noted observer of bad quarterback play, former Idaho State beat reporter Jordan K. He was at president of the game. He talked to me. He says similar to what Schleisner said of first, the quarterbacks did not have a lot of time. So, hey, grain of salt there with quarterback performance when they can't get rhythm and the line is not yet strong enough to buy them time. you got to accept that there's that's going to make them not look great. But Jordan K also told me when the guys did have time, they, they sailed passes that list, people who watched CJ Jordan play to, in the spring or people who saw Giovanni McCoy play last year would be surprised uh, to hear about like pretty drastic accuracy issues. So Dallas hearing that and what's your reaction quarterback wise. At first the reaction was panic. Uh, that's not, not what we, we saw out of either of those guys last year. Uh, again, we, we saw CJ in very, very limited action between the spring and the fall, just with, with the injury situation, uh, we saw a little bit more of, of Giovanni McCoy and obviously uh, had a couple struggles in some games that he realistically was probably playing in because he was the fourth or fifth quarterback that you know, 50 point blowouts. You just, you're putting guys in to, to get guys experience. Uh, it's a little bit, it was a little bit nerve wracking, but then when he followed up a little bit more, this was more in more directly about CJ, but saying that CJ is, is out there looking for the big play every single time. And that's, what's causing some of his problems. That just that screams to me a guy who hasn't played a whole lot, and I'm assuming he said that uh, Geo has done a little bit better of letting the gu- the game come to him and and throwing guys open and and making the correct play rather than the big play every time. Uh, but it it's concerning that nobody stepped up and had an incredible game. I was really hoping that some guy would just rip the throat out of this competition and just end it there in the spring game. 
definitely not did not happen. Sounds like there may or may not be grad transfers coming in. Who knows how open the job is or or what what's going to happen there? But it it did make me actually feel a little bit better hearing Coach Slice talk about it. Just in that it's guys that are freshmen that are trying to throw a touchdown on every single play, and it, you you grow out of that with time. Well, most guys grow out of that grow out of time. Uh, you know, guys like Rex Grossman made an NFL career out of just fucking. I'm throwing it deep, so it is it works for some guys, but. In this instance, I'm actually a, I feel better about the quarterback position than I did a week ago, which is not something I was expecting to hear. After Brian, you have the stats probably better offhand. Do you want to give us the quarterback stats from the spring game? Oh yeah, I have them. And asterisk for listeners because the staffing for spring games is not the same as the staffing for an average game. You should consider these stats to be broadly accurate, but not as accurate as in a typical game. Quarterback splits. I'm only going to talk about Giovanni and CJ because, I mean, the the other quarterbacks, one, they took no stats for Tyler Webb. I don't know why because the broadcast certainly said he played. But um, McLeod Crowton also played, but he's has since transferred. Well, he's entered the transfer portal. So in terms of Vandal football, that's not relevant. Uh, Giovanni McCoy, he, passed, he was 8 of 19 for 134 yards. He also threw one interception, threw for zero touchdowns. Uh, his longest pass play was 40 yards. CJ Jordan went five of 13 for 47 yards. His longest pass play was 30 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, it, CJ did take a couple more sacks than, than Giovanni, including a safety, which, hey, that's the uh, stat reference. I do want to talk, I do want to make one quick acknowledgement. We talked about. We asked Coach Slice about transfer coming in, and look, it sounds like don't be shocked, guys, if transfer comes in. There is another freshman who'll be joining the quarterback room who, based off based off there not being a clear winner from the spring, now there's a, a clear top two that Coach Eck referenced of is clearly clearly Giovanni and CJ of the current roster are the guys competing for the starting spot. I would not yet rule out Ridge Dutch call. He, of course, didn't get to participate in the spring, but uh, if we don't have, if Ridge comes on and looks great on campus, I mean, he, he doesn't have a veteran he has to unseat. So uh, that's another wild card for us. In addition to, you know, a grad transfer, of course, is brought in to start. But if the quarterback room is not settled, it's not settled, which means the new guy who has who would be Ridge Dutchcall, who has not had a chance yet. Uh, he is probably not a guy we should be writing off. Now he'll be like the 400th freshman on the roster to be quarterback, but if they're all freshmen, there's not necessarily that much of an experience uh, gap between them. So that's a name I'd be paying attention to come fall, Dallas. And for anybody that doesn't uh, follow recruiting in the as, in the way that we do, and by we, I mean Martin. Uh, Martin is the recruiting guru around here. Uh, Ridge Dudgekal actually ended up being a higher recruited prospect than CJ, who is one of the highest rated Vandal recruits of all time. So for all the all the great feelings we have about CJ and all this talent he's got. Ridge Dutchikal's just got just as much of it if you if you look at the 24-7 numbers. So we've got a handful of really highly talented and re- really highly recruited and talented guys. None of them have grabbed the job so far. We could see, could be Geo, could be CJ, could be Ridge, could be a, a grad transfer. Who knows? This could be a, this could be a situation we truly don't have an, any idea until the first snap of the first game. It sounds like it's going to end up that way. Uh, not to put uh, any words in any of the coaches' mouths. 
Uh, obviously, Coach Slice mentioned the the uh, gamesmanship uh, of the head coach. I call it caginess because uh, we like to think Paul was being cagey with withholding that kind of information. That information might get withheld. They might announce the starter three days in. Who knows? Uh, but all we know right now is nobody has proven the quarterback job is theirs right this minute. Except I see um, TATC commenter saying there's this Hatton guy on the basketball team. Maybe he can play QB. Well, if he's anything as good as his cousins, maybe he should be on the football team. Probably certainly serving better than the basketball team has. But that's a discussion for another episode. No he'd veggies to, tonight. He'd get to experience more wins. We know that. Dallas, look, we have to at some point close spring football. I got a couple questions to you that I will then answer as though I asked them to myself. Uh, first question, non-quarterback, because like we've talked this position to death because it, it is an unknown. And we've previously talked offensive line. Fleischner brought it up, but like, hey, last week, Dallas, you said that in your mind is probably the biggest issue that we know we need to have resolved. End of spring, I want to take your temperature on Idaho football. Where are you at? Are you trending up? Are you trending down? Are you steady? It's very weird coming from the guy that's known as the most negative person on this podcast. It's actually trending up for me. And I did not expect to say that a week ago. I feel really good about where Idaho football is for some reason. And I don't know if it's just the afterglow of that interview, but hearing hearing Slice talk about a lot of these offensive struggles and, and how you try to fix them, adding depth, uh, just the quarterbacks getting more and more reps and learning their, I think the word he used was intricate, using learning their intricate offense a little bit better. I actually feel better about Vandal football now than I did a week ago. Uh, and overall, I feel like the spring was a, a pretty huge success. I've never really cared for spring football, but anytime you can solidify a position for Zach Borish, you can get a guy like Alex Moore out of the bottom of the receiver room into the top of the tight end room, and and not just out of necessity, but out of it looks like he's going to be really good there from what we hear. Like I'm actually feeling really good about this. Uh, the defense, obviously, we've talked about it all all spring long about how they've looked a lot better than they did before. And yes, we make the jokes about how the coaching is just, it, it's a huge change just going from one guy that didn't know what he was doing to a guy that seems destined to be a head coach somewhere. I'm Brian, I'm, I'm trending up, even though I know the offense did not look good in the spring game. I'm trending up. You join live viewer captain 58, who in the comments section, guys, which you, anyone's welcome to join. Captain 58 says, trending up, these coaches are so much more transparent than our last staff. A, correct. My answer to, to my trend, we're, look, we're closing in on eventually having to have the managing expectations discussion. Now, that is a discussion we have when the season starts. From here, not mostly trending up. Like defensively, it, I was floored to hear how good we look defensively. That those were the that's what we've been told the entire spring is that the energy on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, look, the energy of the team in terms of the players, way better, way more positive than previously. The energy from the coaches, way better, much, much more oriented towards getting making people feel confident. Eck even talked in an interview, might have been Idaho Press, might have been with Stefan Weeby, where 
his view now is the old school coaching approach was you essentially yell the negatives to players when they screw up and then you quietly whisper the positive to like build that bridge back up. His view is that today, look, you got to flip that. You got to scream the positives and the corrective stuff is done in a little more private type of way. Well, that's a much more modern disciplinary approach. I love that. That's what we're doing. And I think some of the energy around the culture of the program that Schleiss didn't talk about it in that way, but we've been told, look, you, if you go to practice, you are going to see a lot of upbeat, ecstatic coaches, a lot of players looking like they're happy where they're at just night and day from where we were last season with, with coach, with Paul Petrino on staff. So in that sense, I'm trending up. I will say, I know, I know take a grain of salt with the offense, but one touchdown and one field goal is alarmingly bad in the spring, which means look, this, this coach Eck has said championships are not one in the spring. I'm going to accept that because obviously they're not. But if there's one area that we need to improve a lot more, yeah, it's that side of the ball. I will say, uh, New kicker, Ricardo Chavez, hitting a 52-yarder in the rain was uh, promising because special teams were pretty bad in terms of our kicking game last season, so that's trending up. So the big picture, yeah, trending up while be- – Jesus Christ. Trending up while beginning to, say, to see the things that uh, we're going to have to kind of sort through. We're just going to have to see improvement if the excitement we see today is going to materialize in the fall. And uh, – Dallas, I guess the other question that I have for you. Are, I know you said that we're uh, that you're trending upward. How have you bought your season tickets yet, man? I bought my season tickets literally the moment I could after Eck was announced. It was paid for immediately i honestly probably wasn't going to renew if if pp was going to come back for another year but uh once he was gone I was like, okay we're in and i renewed immediately man i'm on the spot i'm the only one who has not purchased my season tickets i'm going to guys i've just been a lazy piece of shit that's it uh, everyone on tubs will have season tickets uh martin want to pull you in real quick where are you trending idaho football Martin, Martin, you muted. Goddamn, Grandpa, ah! you're muted. Fuck. Uh, I'm feeling positive. I'm feeling good. It's trending up as always. Yeah. Dallas, the actual question I forgot to ask you. Um, minus the broadly improving, you know, all the good stuff that is that everyone knows is going around Idaho football. Any, If you can pick one one or two developments from the spring that you are most stoked about, what are they? Um. Does not having Paul Petrino as the coach count as one? No, because he stopped being our coach when we broke the story in November. Well, I just just asking. Um, so I'm going to... I was more just patting myself on the back. I'm going to tweak that then. I'm going to say uh, having a coach that doesn't berate his players and act like a dickhead to anybody that walks around him, uh, I think that's going to be huge. Uh, I cannot imagine uh, this regime going anything like the last one i can't imagine we're going to be getting messaged by current players and former players and current parents and former parents all talking about how shady and deceptive everything was and how everything they were just being fed a crock of shit from a guy that was kind of just a dick to people that is that is number one for me uh 
that also ties into the social media aspect that that's my number two. Uh, it, like it's, it feels like Idaho football wants to be relevant again. And I haven't felt that in a long time. That's what I'm, those are my two developments. I know they're nothing on the actual football field, but it's for the actual program. They're the, the right guy is in charge. I know not to open up the FCS FBS debate. It's an FCS coordinator with FCS experience. It feels like Idaho is committed to, trying to win and trying to make people care again. And it hasn't felt like that in quite a while. Speaking of PTSD inducing, man, you, the dead horse comes up for, is just indirectly referenced and immediately my reaction is, God damn, we have to fucking talk about Conference USA again. But think, we moved in a different direction. So my uh, my big developments, by the way, before we talk about my big developments, listeners all noticed, Dallas says, hey, can I include Paul Petrino? I say no. What did Dallas just include? Of course, of course, Paul Petrino, Paul Petrino. Okay, that ghost will be gone someday. Not, and that day is not today. Uh, and it's not going to be anywhere soon enough. Let me tell you that. The uh, Martin, please throw that on the the screen, listeners. Uh, we may have uh, really sophisticated humor coming on the live show. We're unraveling where uh, Tubbs at the club comments PP comments as uh, the direction of the show. Martin muted, laughing his ass off. Is that muted on purpose? I don't know. My development is to try to bring this show back on the rails. Look, hearing that defensively, even though we didn't change the roster that much, but it was a change in scheme is yielding pretty radically different results. Oh, that's uh, in terms of on the field. That's the big one for me. And the second. Zach Borish, look, Luke Schleichner referred to him as a wide receiver. Now, we know he's a slash, but that the current focus of his development has been at wide receiver, specifically slot, with the goal of getting Borish into space where he can make people miss. Another comment from unofficial Tubbs correspondent Jordan Kay, noted observer of bad football while covering Idaho State, told me he was pretty shocked at how good Zach Borish looked at receiver having only been in the room for not even two full weeks. So and Jordan K covers Boise state. Now guys, it's not like he's a Homer, but if you were going to get, if you're going to get a take from someone who is not concerned about the feelings of Idaho football, it's Jordan K. And he said, he thinks people should be stoked. Now he also thinks people manage expectations, but Borish is looking good. We know that in the spring game, the point of that wasn't to show off the entire playbook. A lot of that was to give people a final look. That's why we saw, I mean, look, spoiler alert, guys. We had like six people enter the transfer portal or so after the spring game. But hearing that Borish is in the right position, he's playing all over the place, and he's looking immediately good, it just seems like it seems completely like all the potential we want to see out of some of the evolutions of the team Idaho's at least not going to stop it. I have no further follow-up on that, Brian. I just, I've got, I've got nothing else. Uh, tubs, tubs late night here. Uh, and realistically, we're only an hour later than normal, but I got nothing. Uh, after getting berated for bringing up PP again, I, I, I have no other comments that would be anything positive here. Which again, the if you if you're touchy about being berated, it's because you've wanted to bring him up again and again and again. It means you like the PTSD, you like that feeling. We're just gonna stop talking. Look, everyone, we're all stoked about football. 
Uh, we're going to get to Tubbs and Club formal announcements, but Martin, maybe you can bring the show back on the rails. Probably not. But Martin, we got it. we're going to shift over. You've got yeah, basketball I, I news. Got, I just got a quick, quick something to bring up. Unlike the other team that uh, that resides in ICCU Arena, where they have actually done some business in the recruiting period during this time that ends in about two and a half weeks. Does they mean the women's team? Yeah, the women's team has actually done as has made pro has actually signed some players, unlike the other team. And joining them, joining Jaden B, Rosa Smith, and Sarah Brands this year from the early signing period, they also signed Jenna. Kilty, a transfer from Port, a guard from Portland State. I believe it's not even going to years. I don't want to. I don't want to get that stuff wrong. Hold up, we got a top five transfer. Yes. Uh, then they got a. Then pulling a John Newley, we got a forward Brooke Malone from Perth, Australia, transfer from Idaho State, and then also they signed Grass a greener in Moscow. Yeah, and also signed a guard from named Asha. Asha Phillips from North Nora, Australia. I'm sorry if anybody wants to correct me on that. They can later at a later time. But yeah, they actually signed three three people this year. That is your women's basketball update. We are going to choose to wait until the men's team has signed players, uh, more players, because we've already talked about the ones they've signed so far. Uh, Martin, thanks for that quick update. We have some... Quick tubs announcements, and then we're probably going to call it a night unless, I mean, no, asterisk, before we get to the announcements, we have this ritual, guys, of say, of switching from one subject to another and then yanking it back to the other. So I'm now expecting Martin to come up with a football-related issue for us to talk about. Tubs announcement, guys. We are going to uh, – we're officially entering our summer-ish season Tubbs is going to be taking four weeks off of broadcasting, and then we're going to reassess what our broadcast schedule is. We know that fall football workouts start on June 2nd, and fall camp starts August 4th. We're not going to take 100% break between now and August 4th, but we're certainly giving ourselves a few weeks off. Uh, We have one uh, with how the show changed, meaning went down to fewer people, uh, the workload changed. We've also been doing more reporting type of work, which takes a lot more off the screen work as you might or might not know, meaning we're all goddamn burnt out. So we're taking four weeks off after that. We're going to come out. We'll come up with some sort of schedule, but we certainly will be back on between now and when, and August 4th. And once August 4th rolls around, probably pretty close to weekly, but between now and then quick break, Uh, If you're a patron, you should be receiving some, uh, if you gave us your address as a patron, you should be receiving your, Martin's holding it up, first merch we sent out, got help from Nick Davis. Those are are wood tubs magnets. Nick Davis put them together himself. Uh, If you don't have them in the mail and you gave us your address, you'll get it soon. If you're a patron and you didn't give us your address in the Discord, give us your address and then we'll mail it out to you. Otherwise, we got a couple Tubbs projects, but we need some time off. So we're going to be taking some time off. Dallas, you want to comment on any of that? Are you good with saying, no, we're just leaving? I just want to remind everybody, uh, patreon.com backslash Tubbs at the club. We are planning some specific uh, events and things, trying to figure out a way to thank our patrons for for the last uh, what year or so of of Tubbs content. If you, if you say this is us closing the book on 
2021 to 2022 season. We we're we're setting up some ways to to thank some folks. Uh, so if you're interested in being a part of any fun things we might be doing in the future, I just got to plug it one more time. Hashtag only tubs, patreon.com backslash tubs at the club. Yeah. And the not too distant future, we'll be scheduling our first uh, patron call uh, to get feedback from patrons. If that interests you sign up. Otherwise we'll make sure announcements come out once we have our recording schedule established, but uh, Vandal football is taking a break. Tubs at the club is going to take a break too. With that, I think we're ready to throw it to uh, the renegade behind the scenes to close us out with whatever damn song he chooses. Martin, take it away before he can shut me up. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. So raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the Vandals in the craft. I'll just out there living the dream. Part of one and only Moscow drink.